0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to IJ Notes, a podcast where we take you behind the scenes to explore the work of journalists around the world. This is Katya with the IJNet team. In this episode, we speak with Anna Mortimer, journalist, therapist, and co-founder of The Mind Field, a platform that connects international development workers, journalists, and those in similar fields with therapists. Anna grew up with a war correspondent father who was killed in El Salvador in 1989 when she was 19. She too became a journalist, reporting as a Moscow correspondent at The Times, a London-based news site, but struggled with her own mental health. Through psychotherapy, Anna realized that the trauma she carried was a legitimate response to what she had witnessed in the field. Journalists are often on the front lines of some of the world's most challenging events, from crime scenes and road accidents to natural disasters and wars. Now, journalists around the world are working in overtime to cover the COVID-19 pandemic. Covering these stories, whether major international stories or events much closer to home, can have an impact on those reporting, leading to issues like post-traumatic stress disorder, commonly referred to as PTSD in some cases, but more likely, anxiety, stress, and burnout. Months ago at IGNet, we discussed the need to delve into this topic with more stories and resources. We could have never predicted how necessary this topic would be now in the midst of a global health crisis one that affects everyone, no matter where they live or what beat they cover. We'll touch on these topics with Anna and more during the interview. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today on the IG Notes podcast. So let's just start out with you introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your journalism background, what you've worked on, and how that led to your work in mental health. Hello. Uh,
1: My name is Anna Mortimer and I am a psychotherapist and former journalist. I was under my maiden name uh, the Moscow correspondent for the Times. That's my kind of biggest job in journalism. Aside from that, I wrote a weekly, very Bridget Jones-style, Uh, lifestyle column also for the Times, for the Saturday Times. Um, And I've written for lots of other people, from The Economist to Cosmopolitan, pretty much everyone. Um, I then, once I had kids, became a novelist, actually, and I've written lots of novels. I wrote a series of five uh, mystery novels featuring, in fact, a war correspondent called Faith Zanetti, who was loosely based on My father, who was a war correspondent, killed in El Salvador in 1989, when I was 19. Loosely based also on Marie Colvin, who was a friend of his and mine, killed more recently in Syria. And of course on myself, the books are all in the first person. Um, I suppose I came to psychoanalysis uh, very directly via journalism in the sense that after my father had been killed in El Salvador, I went into psychoanalysis myself and genuinely found it to be uh, transformative. This is really serious Freudian, five times a week on the couch. Uh, so I did that. And then years later, thought I would go on a lecture course to see what had worked so well on me to find out a bit more about the theory that had worked so well on me. And I just kind of ended up doing course after course. And as you do courses in psychoanalytic psychotherapy, you end up kind of being forced to have patients. So I had a training patient and then another training patient. And after a while I found that I was doing it. And I was doing both things for a while. I I was going to Azerbaijan a lot as a journalist. And I met a doctor who said that all her patients just needed some therapy. And I said, well, I've just actually trained to be a therapist. So my first kind of group of uh, video therapy patients were all based in Baku in Azerbaijan, actually. Um, And then later, a few years ago, we founded The Mind Field and broadened to uh, offer video therapy to journalists in the field and development workers in the field all over the world.
0: And it sounds like you have a diverse background, both within journalism and overall taking various career paths. So can you tell us a little bit about the creation of the minefield, its mission, its services, and anything else that makes the organization different?
1: Yes, of course. Um, So I was having lunch with an old friend of my father's, a very old style, British journalist, smokes a lot, drinks a lot. And he brought his wife, whom I'd never met before, and she worked in humanitarian development. I was telling her about my very small Skype practice uh in which i saw these patients from Azerbaijan and she said oh if i had known you could have video therapy when i was in the field i would have had video therapy we should start a business and we started to talk about it more seriously and about the enormous gap really i was going to say in the market but it's not so much a market the enormous degree to which journalists and aid and development workers desperately need a lot of psychotherapy and don't get it. And we thought that if all our therapists could be former journalists and former aid workers, which they are at the Mind Field, then we would really have a kind of place for people to come where they would already feel a bit understood. So I have one patient who uh, is based in Syria she said she would tried various online and video therapists, but as soon as she started talking about the work she was doing in Syria, they would be very shocked and uh, frightened for her and uh, have a kind of big reaction that made her uncomfortable. So our therapists will already get it. You won't get any of that from any of us. You know, We've all been there and done it. And we know the kind of life these people are living. It's very much the kind of life in which Having therapy is quite a difficult decision to make, as you can probably imagine if you're out in the field covering some terrible massacre or humanitarian disaster or uh, natural disaster and seeing terrible things all day, every day. And then you go back to your hotel room, order a sandwich, have a glass of wine. It's quite difficult to think, actually, I'm struggling. I'm feeling really anxious. That has really affected me. Because, of course, you're seeing people who have it so much worse. And that makes our demographic very untherapized, basically. Um, and we're trying to say, don't wait until it gets terrible and you've gone back to your country of origin in a terrible state to get therapy. You can have it wherever you are, stigma-free from your bedroom um, and without, well, before it gets, before it's too late.
0: Right. So you touched a little bit on this, but I'm just wondering, do you work in specific countries or have target clients in mind? For example, does someone need to be a journalist or aid worker in an extreme environment to seek out the minefield?
1: I mean, I should be, I'd like to be very clear that uh, our therapists will see absolutely anyone. You don't have to be an international journalist or an aid worker. Um, A lot of the people that I see, the people I started off seeing in Azerbaijan, were um, mainly the spouses of people working in the oil business so i don't want to be exclusive however we are um, really offering our services to journalists in the field and aid workers and they're all over the world they're absolutely all over the world it doesn't mean you can't come to us if you're not all over the world or if you don't do one of these jobs but yes most of our people are very scattered often in quite dangerous places i think that the 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 thing that most people struggle with honestly is loneliness very many journalists these days are freelance and even if they're not freelance they're out somewhere on their own it's very difficult to talk about what's going on internally for you when you are constantly uh, observing and reporting on the lives of others actually and many people feel that their partners, either back home or with them, don't really want to hear it. They've got their own problems. It's it's um, it's a very lonely job, actually, uh, being out covering these stories. Uh, well, we have quite a few people in various places in Africa, in the Middle East. Um, but yes, we would, we would talk to anybody. And the thing is, journalism is a very stressful profession it's very it's so competitive at the moment because there aren't as many jobs as there once were the jobs that there are are less well paid so there are a lot of journalists really struggling and the more they struggle the more they try to cover the more extreme stories or the more they try to work every hour of the day So I think people do burn out, see a lot of terrible things, don't really know where to put that, feel under stress, feel under financial pressure. It's it's an incredibly difficult job. I mean, one thing I would say is that I think people go into this profession because they're probably already on the run from unwanted feelings. Being a journalist covering the story is a very powerful position. And I think that very often people are struggling even before they start. So once they are actually in the field and doing all this kind of work, it can really take its toll.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you bring up the stigma of journalists needing to be tough or stick it out or just work harder. So what do you make of this? And how is the minefield addressing that stigma?
1: I don't think we have a, a particular way of addressing it in the sense of, I mean, we don't, We do, actually, it's not true. We do give some talks. And we do some little seminars and workshops and things like that. But in general, we address that stigma on a person by person basis. People very often do come to us thinking, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I am drinking too much. I'm terribly anxious. My relationships collapse. I'm lonely. I think I might lose my job. I don't really know what to do. And when, I, when you talk to them, it always turns out that this is actually quite a normal reaction to the situation that they're in. And I often find myself saying to people, it would be quite weird if that hadn't traumatized you, if you just skipped away from this completely awful thing you've just seen and it didn't bother you. These things are normal reactions, but they do need some processing. And the other thing that I tend to say is that one session is better than none. People are often very frightened of therapy and think, oh, I'm going to get locked in and have to go you know, twice a week for the rest of my life. But actually, you can get quite a lot out of one check-in session with somebody. So it doesn't have to be um, a couple of years of very grueling work. It can be someone just to talk to in the instant that you need to. And that's what's so good about it being video.
0: So it certainly seems that there are options with how people can handle and manage the status of their mental health. So with everything going on during this global health crisis and journalists still being on the front lines, what are your pieces of advice during a time where journalists may be facing a heavier workload, the economic challenges with layoffs, or organizations shutting down or even the isolation?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer really and a very good one because obviously everybody really wants some tips and some coping mechanisms and I get asked for them quite a lot and I think that it's difficult to answer that question without being without seeming a bit patronizing i guess because we all know that we can look up you know anti anxiety techniques and uh, breathing exercises and mindfulness on the internet and we all know that we can come home and drink a bottle and a half of wine if we want to to clear the stress but i suppose the answer really is that these issues are big issues you know trauma from work is a big issue and i think it deserves a real conversation and Some respect really and i think it's sort of a bit disrespectful to the issue to suggest that there might be kind of little tips that one could follow to keep calm um you know one can take valiant to keep calm but i think that to really address this stuff
0: it deserves a proper conversation i definitely think this isn't a topic that can be boiled down like you said so then i have a bit of a follow-up question which is Do you anticipate having to offer more services or anything changing in your line of work due to COVID-19? Honestly, not really. It's quite interesting how many
1: of our clients haven't even really mentioned it very much. I think that when people come in and realize that they need to talk to somebody, they're usually in a very serious state of crisis. And they will tend not to be relating it to work although it will, of course, be related to work. But people's marriages are collapsing or they're really drinking too much or they're finding that they're terribly insomniac. And whilst, of course, these things might be somewhat exacerbated by COVID-19, I actually think the decision to call a therapist is quite um, a difficult and courageous and slow one. So maybe... In six months time, there'll be lots more people thinking, right, I better get some therapy. I didn't really deal very well with the pandemic. But in general, I don't think people call a therapist when they're thinking, oh, my God, this is all really freaking me out. I'm going to call a therapist or any particular day. It's a it's a decision that takes some time, I think.
0: Right. So then do you have anything to say about What might perpetuate these sort of toxic behaviors within the journalism community or even in newsrooms?
1: I think it might be changing slowly. And I think it might be changing slowly, particularly in the U.S., But on the whole, I think people become journalists as a kind of omnipotent defence in order to avoid things that they don't want to have to think about. So they're always dealing with somebody else's problem. They're always a witness rather than a participant. And it is, of course, still, a very macho profession where I'm going to dare to go to dangerous places, I'm going to dare to do dangerous things. And I think that an an awful lot of journalists still feel that needing help is a weakness. And I think there is a problem with some of the vocabulary around needing help, really. I'm not even sure that psychotherapy is necessarily help. It's a process. It's a way of looking at things. It's It's a route to feeling better about yourself. But nonetheless, I think that a lot of people have a great deal of trouble with thinking oh god I think I'm gonna have to face up to this now because of course the whole thing about being a journalist is that you're on a deadline you're doing something exciting it's very fast moving it's very high pressure the whole point is not to sit back and start having a proper look in the mirror so yeah I think people come in late people come in in crisis but honestly though I think The the kind of things that happen to journalists, I was thinking about female journalists who quite often um, get subjected to uh, sexual assault, for example. Usually, the things that happen to them and the traumas that they experience are things that remind them of events in earlier life, perhaps. You do tend to end up working with very, very difficult backgrounds when you're working with anyone, journalist, aid worker or anybody else. I think really the trouble probably does start early and gets massively exacerbated by these very stressful jobs.
0: This has all been great. So if any of the listeners want to find the services of the minefield, can you tell us a little bit about how they can reach those resources?
1: Absolutely. So, if you go to our website, which is www.themindfield.world, um, there is a click-through uh, where you send an email, which actually comes to me, and then we would have uh, an assessment session or a kind of, an I mean, a chat really about what you're looking for, what we might be able to provide, and then I would refer you to a therapist. All our therapists, you can see all our therapists, including myself, on the about us page. Um, and so you might have an idea of who you feel you'd like to talk to. Um, but I would always say, just give us a call, have the initial assessment. We'll talk things through and then you can decide if you want to go further. I think people get very put off by the idea of this sort of taking forever, but it can be a lot more informal and gentler than people might fear. I hope.
0: Thank you, Anna, for such an incredible interview and for joining us today on the IJ Notes podcast. Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> bye bye.
2: Okay, bye. Bye.
0: If you liked listening, you'll be glad to hear that we'll be releasing the rest of the IJNote series on journalist mental health soon. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the series and all things IJNet. We also encourage you to explore the resources from the minefields or the many other resources we have on ijnet.org. We're working hard to support you during such a difficult time. Stay tuned for more on IG Notes, and thanks for listening.